The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. I'm Vince Rocco, your host. You are listening to Good Morning New York. It is Tuesday, February 28th, and I'd like to welcome our listeners in the United States and around the world. We have a great show today. We're going to debate and talk about glass tower condo buildings or the classic pre-war building, brick and mortar, as I call them here in New York City. If you had your choice, what would you choose? If you want to call into the program today, you can. The number is 1-866-472-5788. That is 1-866-472-5788. But first, let's get into some celebrity news, some comings and goings today. Power couple uh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have sold their roughly 6,400-square-foot pad in the Pacific Palisades enclave of Los Angeles for $6.9 million, this according to Property Snoops at Variety. It is a tidy profit for the stars who reportedly snagged a five-bedroom, five-bathroom home in 2004 for about $4.12 million, but the sale uh, price is below the goal. The house was originally asking $7.25 million last year. Actress Meg Ryan, whose love affair with New York City was chronicled in iconic films, including When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail, I haven't heard that one in a long time, has just listed her posh Soho law for $10.9 million. The fifth floor, full floor pad in a former button factory at 84 Mercer Street is a roomy 4,100 square feet. It features three bedrooms, three bathrooms, a chef's eat-in kitchen, a butler's pantry, a media room, a library, 13 oversized windows, and original details, including architectural columns, along with a hefty $6,000 a month maintenance fee. Kirsten Dunst has just put her fashionable Soho loft on the market for $5 million. The attractive downtown Manhattan spread boasts impressive river views through oversized arched windows and has a private elevator, which was useful for the A-list actress who dated the likes of Jake Gyllenhaal, and after all, she needs her privacy. The Fargo actress bought the home for $3.09 million in 2007, according to Property Records. And Grammy Award-winning pop star Justin Timberlake can't stop the feeling and his earnings thanks to the upbeat, chart-topping Trolls movie song that appeals, appeals to all listeners. And now he's bringing that uh, energy to a hunt for luxury real estate in New York. Timberlake was recently spotted touring a triplex penthouse at 12 East 13th Street that is nearly half off its original asking price. The 5,704-square-foot Greenwich Village pad, which was on the market for $30.5 million in 2013 under a different brokerage firm, is still on the market, but now only $18.5 million, such a bargain. Hence, the ongoing struggle with the Uber luxury market. As I said, we're going to debate and talk today about uh, glass towers condo buildings, or the classic pre-war. As the population of the city boomed during the late 1880s through 1910, architects and builders used masterful designs and construction materials 
and techniques to accommodate the swelling population. The uh, result was sturdy brick and stone buildings with high ceilings, which created a New York type of architecture that was built for great form, function, and endurance. We call it the pre-war. The Depression all but stopped this building boom, and by the time the Second World War was underway, the golden age of urban architectural construction was over. Some of the most famous buildings in the city are from the era, the Apthorpe, for example, the San Remo, the Dakota, and 740 Park Avenue on the east side. Those are just some examples. Pre-wars were built between 1900 and 1939, just before World War II. Today, newly constructed condos often look to their pre-war forebearers for design inspiration, including 15 CPW, 15 Central Park West, which is Robert A.M. Stern's super luxury tower just off of uh, Columbus Circle at Central Park West. But most new condo development is glass tower architecture, rising tall into the sky, and skyline of New York City. So, I ask all of you uh, a simple question. If you had all the money in the world, would you rather live in a large 90-story modern glass tower like 157 or spread out in a multi-room classic pre-war co-op like 740 Park Avenue, uh, considered one of the fanciest buildings in Manhattan? Even if, you know, you're not in the Uber price point, any price point, you can still buy a condo glass tower or you can buy um, a pre-war. With me today is Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Maggie Kent from Core Real Estate, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, and Louise Phillips Forbes from uh, Halstead. Maggie, a special guest star today. She is a top producing broker at Core. <laughs> she dedicates herself to getting her clients' results with exuberance and tenacity, evidence with multi million dollars in <clears throat> closed sales and price per square foot record. She's a standout in her field, starring on HGTV's. Hit Selling New York for seven seasons and consistently garners press and publications like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and The Real Deal. I know you from Selling New York. I used to watch that show all the time. As a downtown resident for 25 years, Maggie is a neighborhood specialist serving buyers and sellers in new development, condo, co-op, loft, or townhouses. She comes to real estate organically as her family firm won numerous awards in the highest grossing real estate region in Canada. Her vast background in the Arts offers an extraordinary marketing edge and unique sensitivity when working with a high-profile clientele. Years of market insight, experience, and dedicated service ensure her clients get the results that they desire. So good morning to you, and thank you for being wow, here. Wow, that good is morning. a nice introduction. Quite a bio. I, I didn't yeah, quite, quite I didn't get that love, but I am so glad you're here. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so we much. We love our Wheezy. We love our Wheezy. All right. Thank you, Vince. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so let, let, let's get into it. So, you know, when it comes to these pre-wars, everybody says, well, you know, I, I, I like pre-war because I like the space, I like the size, I like the high ceilings, I like the old feeling, the old world, New York, whatever. Then you get the other half of the population that says glass tower, high rise, you know, 90 stories, condo, condo, condo. So, you know, what when you're working with, with your buyers out there, um, what draws them to either side of the aisle, for example? Who wants a pre-war and who wants a, a, a post-war glass condo tower? After 30, 30 years of almost 30 years being in the business, it's been an amazing transformation to watch the evolution of our product, uh, of what was built in the 80s, uh, the transformation from trying to recreate old world in these glass by by main by by uh, old world, I mean the scale of the rooms and the transformation, mm-hmm. and the technology has given us the opportunity for these pre-war buildings, like some of the conversions that I've done, 498 West End Avenue, where I partnered with Nancy Ruddy and John Setra, and we were able to m- really m- 
customized these floor plates so that they were like old world but with all new systems. So I have a living room that is 30 by 20 and a family room off of the living room. And you are able to create this product that we couldn't do 20 years ago. So that's really been exciting. Um, And I think the yin and yang of what the zoning has done for these glass towers has been amazing to, to witness and experience. But in your businesses, though, individually, do you have people who specifically say, I want a condo and it has to be in a glass tower, or I want a pre-war building, whether it's co-op or condo, when there aren't that many condos except some of the conversions that you've done? And I don't think that people describe, I want a glass tower. They're like, I Mm -hmm. want powerful views. Mm -hmm. Then that is dictating where you're going. Mm -hmm. And and I think if if there's ever a distinction, it's not the tower part. It's more just, I actually break it down to three sections of more the pre-war, the post-war, and the modern. Because the post-war, you think of those, you know, not to offend anyone, those kind of ugly white brick buildings that are along the... 1962, Exactly. Born. So, um... Don't tell but, anyone. But also outside of just the details... <laughs> you just did, sweetie. Hi. <laughs> oh, She's actually only 25. There you um, go. She's a year younger than me. Two years. Oof. Sorry. Um, but, no, so outside of the details, I also just think it depends on who the client is because I know me, myself, I like the idea of living in a co-op because there's less transience, you know, there's less people going in and out of the building, whereas obviously a condo has, you know, much lighter rental rules and subletting rules. So in a co-op, it's more likely that more people are going to own, less people are going to be moving in and out. And I think that's nice for a lot of people living there. A lot of, uh, a lot of, I break it down with my buyers to charm in a lot of sense. They'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, well, we'll talk about whether they want quote unquote charm or they're more interested in some of the things like Louise was saying, views and that kind of thing. Obviously you can have both. I'm not suggesting you can't, but, um, one thing I'll just say personally for me is that when I've, I've lived in both sort of the high glass tower type of thing, and I've also lived in the co-op and this is a personal thing, but for me, I'm usually initially very excited about the high glass tower, but that wears off usually within like six months to a year and I'm ready for something else. The more charm like co-op places I've been in, I've stayed longer. So that's just a personal thing. And some of my buyers feel the same way. Again, that's just a personal thing. Listen, I've said this for years on this program. I am totally a a pre-war bigot. I mean, I can sell condos and I've sold many, 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 many condos in these glass towers or whatnot. But for me personally, I like the charm, as you just said, Phil, and the, um, the history and the, the warmth of, and, and feeling of a, of a pre-war building. I mean, you know, when I step into my apartment at the end of the day or whatever, even when I wake up in the morning and I just look around and I think, wow, I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm in my parents' home, mm-hmm. my grandparents' home, you know, what I'm used to, what I grew up with. And I think sometimes that's how people, you know, look or start their search with that in mind. Certainly, if you need, if, if, if you're, you know, with children and, and you need a family-sized apartment, you know, those big pre-wars probably make more sense. Um, but let's talk about the the differences. I think that's really important because the buyer that's looking for that world, you know, old world charm or that, you know, they're looking for a fireplace, the moldings, the hardwood floors, the ceiling the heights, the ceiling heights, the the, the, the volume of the rooms, you know, um, and the windows aren't like the glass towers. That's a big difference right here is these glass the towers difference. have floor to ceiling windows. Right. And so some people might consider that living in a fishbowl. 
Now, if you're really in a tower, you're going to have these expansive, sometimes 360 views or expansive views of Central Park, let's just say. And there's something, that wow factor is there. But like you said, if that's not your style, you, the, the wow factor can wear off. And personally, I'm a little afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I'm in me this too. business. But I, I don't want to be that high. I don't, that's just me. I mean, I get it. I think that there's nothing like that glamour when you walk and, into something and who's been who was around when the blackout happened when I was seven and a half months yes. pregnant? Exactly. Uh, with 72 pounds extra on me and had to walk up 14 flights of stairs. <laughs> mm. But I, I, I also say for those who are actually art collectors of art, I find that those glass bowls and the towers are, no wall space. are more difficult yeah. to exhibit no massive collections. So I have found that I've sold big tower um, for my, some of my collectors and that after they made the change, they mm-hmm. they come to realize they can't install half of their art. Mm-hmm. So those small windows or smaller windows that the pre-war offer complement what they can have from a wall space. Right. But it, also, not that not that I've had a yet the specific question. You know, a client coming to me like Matt, should I live in a tall glass tower or should I live in a pre-war co-op? I haven't had that specific question yet. Um, but I actually think that if I was asked that, I would probably answer why do you have to choose and I'd, I'd say to them let's do a condo conversion let's go to somewhere so like 100 depends. Barclay yeah. or you know let, let, let's leave it there we'll pick it up at the other side of the break this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel we will be right back and we're going to discuss a little further the differences between condo glass buildings and pre-wars don't go away streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com Being a good real estate agent today is the same as it was 30 years ago. It's all about experience. I once got a call from a buyer in California. I told him, look no further. Don't call anyone else. I know the New York City market and what you're looking for. He said, stop. Go no further. You're the agent I'm going to work with because you are great at what you do. It's all about experience. I'm Jill Libman with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back, and we're talking about pre-wars and glasses best. I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Maggie Kent from Core Real Estate, Phil Horgan from LeaseBreak.com, 
and Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Property. Pre-wars are steeped in history. While modern buildings may have more amenities, the classic pre-war just has so much more character, and that matters to many. If you are seeking charm, pre-wars are truly the mainstay of the classic building here in New York. Glass is best if you prefer to live in a beautiful new tower, and if you like crisp and clean lines, crisp and clean living, and you like to look outside and you get lots of natural light. In some cases, depending on height in the building, you get the most spectacular view. So we were talking about some of the characteristics of the pre-war before we went to break. High ceilings, beam ceilings, crown moldings, uh, some cases sunken living rooms, the difference between the plaster walls versus, you know, uh, drywall in, in, in the new, you know, kind of developments, a lot quieter, wider hallways, spacious foyers, and the typically not cookie cutter floor plates. And that's, I think, a lot of what some people look at sometimes. You walk into a condominium building, high rise or not, and they're pretty much cookie cutter bedroom next to living room, kitchen in the, in the middle, you know, whatever. So some people don't mind that. Some people do. But we ended on that idea of a condo conversion. Because seriously, I mean, if you're in the realm of paying 157 prices or 432 park prices, go to something like the Woolworth building, which talk about character. I mean, and that's a condo conversion. History also. It's incredible. It's I mean, it, it's it's taking something that is an actual part of history and it's making it new. So why don't you not choose between the two and take a little mixture of both? Um, I actually think a really great example is um, on the Upper East Side right now, there are two new developments directly across the street with one another. And I think that's always interesting because they are direct competition and they're actually being done by the same marketing firm. Um, but it's uh, they're both on 89th and 1st and you have 389 East 89th, which is a condo conversion from a rental building. So it has some really great classic features like high ceilings. Um, but then directly across the street, you have Citizen 360, which is a brand new ground up high rise. And they're asking very different prices. So, you you know, if someone is looking there for the location, they ask themselves, would I rather a conversion? Would I rather something that's brand new? So it becomes a very interesting part of our job, I would say. I think brand new and Maggie, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you sell a lot of condos as well. But I, I think brand new appeals to a certain segment of people who, you know, like who build houses in the suburbs. I, I have to be the first person who live in that that apartment or the first person who live in that house. I mean, what what do you think it is about the the condo, the new brand newness of it that's attractive to people? I mean, forget the, the styles they are completely different as we discussed. I think there's a certain amount of cachet of being the first in a building and, and being part of a building that has a star architect name mm-hmm. it's all about the location of course too and and it being pristine and you know you open the door and it's it's all yours it's never lived in before never used it's like having a new car it's that mentality it's never been driven before there's no miles on it so with again with the pre-war something that's pre-existing i'm talking resale not necessarily a conversion mm-hmm. but I agree yeah. with you guys in the sense that we're really trying to replicate that, you know, the, the beautiful features of the, the old world charm in some of the, the conversions. And I think that's that's a huge trend that's been going on for years and years. And the the stakes are much higher to improve on that every single time and take the best of the best. Um, in some cases, uh, the ceiling height is, you know, you can only go so far in, cer- in certain conversions where in some of the, the you know, ground up construction, you can pick and choose. You can have a ceiling that's yeah. on the penthouse floor that's, yeah. you know, it's 20 feet mm-hmm. if you want. Um, another thing that I think about people buying in, in brand, brand new is that um, there's a sense necessarily, like you mentioned, they might be from out of town. You know, a lot of my buyers are, are local 
folks and families and uh, the reason mm-hmm. for moving isn't to have the next best thing it's to be in the neighborhood they love where their kids go to school it's because they've loved that building for years they you know or they buy within their own building because they love it so much they're not looking for the next best thing and what about investor types who come from other lands other foreign uh, countries or, or just around the, the country well, th- they tend to go more I think towards the new building well I think that you have <laughs> what we have experienced I've been involved with development since the late 90s and you know what what pre-construction marketing offers investors is the time value of money so you go to contract you take the highest risk for that you have a discount and you know by the grace of god you're going to have the wind the the market will be at, at the wind at your back if you will so that when you actually have the opportunity you have a 20 30 sometimes 50 percent opportunity value increase. Mm-hmm. So that's one what my migration of investors have moved to and that's been going on for decades. I agree with that. Let's talk about amenities quickly because you know obviously in the two different types of building structures you have more amenities in the new condo build than you do in the pre-war. Now maybe in some of the pre-war conversions to condo, you know if you there's are, space you'll have a few few amenities. But let's talk about the differences in in those because I I do have clients who specifically want amenities so you gear towards that kind of sale and some say you know, I don't really care. It's more about the family. It's more about more rooms. And so you'll you'll look more towards the, the pre-war option. How important are amenities today in this world of high-powered world of New York City? The, the, the trend that had started probably over almost over a decade of really lifestyle living where we can look at 15 Central Park West, 250 West, um, you know, Walker Towers, mm-hmm. these buildings, AOL, where you are buying a, <clears throat> a lifestyle. Um, and that has yes. have given, it has it attra- attracted more of a global market that has really unveiled us to be on that platform, that international platform. So... That's been my experience. Sorry, I was going to say the one thing about um, amenities too is that a lot of times people look at it as, do I really want to pay for this in common charges? Because I get a lot of that from buyers where they say, you know, the amenities are great. I just not, I'm not going to use that pool every day. I'm exactly. not going to use those amenities exactly. every day. So that makes a big difference too in, in terms of their decision process. I have a buyer right now who said the same mm. thing. I don't need to have the gym in the building, the pool, the this, the that, the roof deck. I don't really care about that stuff. I work a lot of hours. Mm. I need a place that's comfortable to live in. So if I can save a little bit, even on the purchase price, and then again on the monthlies, I'd rather do that. Uh, and then this guy can spend anything. It's not. It's just he doesn't need to have mm-hmm. those amenities, and he equates it to more money when it's not really but necessary. Usually, those projects are big enough yeah. that the economy of scale takes care of the carrying cost because you have a 260-unit building as opposed to an 80-unit building. And well, I think it's always interesting when you have domestic buyers or you know people that live here, and you take them to the amenity spaces, and you know it's a, it's a great showing. Everything is lovely, fluffy, and then when you walk out, they're like, "Yeah, just never going to use it." Or how many times have you sold something or rented to somebody, and you know they were in love with the roof deck, and then you I follow have up to with have, them I have uh, to have. six months later, a year later. And then you're like, so how's it going? How do you like the roof deck? Never used it. Never used it once in my life. But then, <laughs> but then it goes to what we were saying about the global scale. 
And when you have international investors, when you have, um, you know, big time global CEOs, you know, I work with a, a very large CEO and I rent him an apartment in a, in a, in a luxury glass tower. He loved, it's super tiny, wasn't that big of a, big of a, of a pad, but it had the views, views were important to him. He does a lot of traveling. He's in the city for maybe one week per month, not too often, but when he gets there, he wants the spa. He wants to be able to have a business center. He wants mm-hmm. to be able to go downstairs after traveling from Europe or China, come downstairs, work out. That's extremely it's, important, yeah. and it really depends on the on the situation of the particular buyer. I think it's expanding the the mixing pot of choices, which yep. has been great for us to for me to witness over the last almost three decades. I'm going to go in both directions on this one because I do find that the majority of my clients you just actually like to be confrontational. I do. I also like to see every different aspect. <laughs> Never boring. That's here. what we love um, about you, Matt. Thanks. Um, no, but most of my clients really do not need all those amenities, and they right. most of them just belong to Equinox, and they go to you know Flywheel, and they do SoulCycle, and they like to actually be you know socializing when they're doing their exercising. For example, I agree. But at the same time, and I'll add to that that I think a lot of you know, when they switched developments years ago and they started putting gyms in the basement instead of putting them on the top floor, which people really liked, like in 445 Fifth, when they have, you know, the gym at the top floor, you have these incredible views. Now you have them in the basement and there's definitely just not that wow factor. But on the other hand, um, you know, people have made just incredible amounts of money on this equation like you know the founders of La Palestra for example they you know the ones who did they've done right a couple fit. gyms and new developments but the ones I they've think been of around right for off, a long time yeah though. the ones I think of right off the bat are at the Alton on Riverside oh, Boulevard and it's insane. incredible it's insane that's the best building gym I've ever seen and I mean it's they've made five, it's 58 Hundred square feet. It's insane. It's off the charts. But they've made the a. They've built a conglomerate a on yeah, yeah on just yeah. building amenity spaces and buildings. So I mean, hats off in both directions, I guess. Hey, look, we've we've chatted about amenities many times on this program. I mean, people need them. People want them. Uh, people don't care about them. So it, it all depends on the individual. I was just recently out this weekend with uh, two different sets of buyers, and one wanted them, and one didn't. And then it was interesting with on the one side, I showed a couple of things where amenities were included and they said, oh, okay, so that's not that bad. You know, maybe I can deal with that. I just personally always, you know, I I lived in one building in all the years I'm in New York that had a gym and I never used it because I'm an Equinox member. I like going to the gym. I like, as you just said, Matt, being social with people or just seeing people or meeting people, especially in our business. This This is what we do. So I'm probably not inclined to want to work out in a gym and in my building. You know, talking about where the, the the fitness centers are located in building, you're going to see a trend happening because the zoning has just changed. Second Avenue's zoning just changed. And there are going to be a tremendous amount of development opportunities and projects coming online in the next, you know, 24 to 36 months. But the zoning changed so that if you put um, your commons, you know, your fitness centers, et cetera, up above a certain height, you get bonus air. You wow. get bonus height. Wow. So you're going to see that's going to move. Instead of it being in the cellar, it's going to move to the 13th floor, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be able to have 
um, no height restrictions. What's the reason? Yeah, what was the, what's the can't answer that. I don't. I mean, I'm sure oh, it was some a, negotiation um, that occurred. I had I hadn't that, heard that, but, but I mean, look, you know. one Madison was the first sliver tower of its kind. Yeah. And take a look at Central Park South. Take a look yes, at what's happening. Yes. It's going to continue. Central Park South is quite <laughs> quite the, the the story. It's also more desirable to the buyer to have you know not be in a basement. Let's face it. Right. I mean, that's part of the appeal, and and more and more developers are not using the basement square footage. They're using, they'll put it on the ninth floor and they'll have a whole amenity floor, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the trend the for formula, some time. That formula of where it's located on the height and the bonus on what you I'd get I'd like to know more about amazing. that. Maybe we'll chat about that on another show because that's very interesting. But I, I consulted my last uh, condo project a few years ago. I consulted with the, with the developers in, in the whole planning aspect and they decided to put the gym in the courtyard. So it's this glass atrium kind of building inside the courtyard and I have to tell you something I still am in and out of that building all the time and it's amazing how people love working out in that gym because you're you feel like you're outside if it's raining it's raining if it's snowing it's snowing it's temperature controlled of course so it could be 10 degrees outside and you're inside working out feeling like you're outside but you're nice and warm it was a genius idea and people use that gym all the time. I've used that gym when I was selling on site in that building because it was pleasant. It was a nice I'd place say, to Vince, be. Last comment on this. I know we probably want to move on, but I was going to say that yes. we talk about buyers, whether they want the amenities or not. But I have a lot of buyers that are investors, and they're thinking about the future renter of the place and right. whether they want. Well, that's another whole story. So a lot of times they may say, well, I'm going to live there for a year or two, or maybe they're not even going to live there at all. And they may say, well, I'm not interested in the amenities, but I know it'll be good for the rental value and for the future renter, and it'll make it easier to rent out the space if I have amenities. All right, we're going to leave it there. Take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. 
Now, back to the show. Yeah. All right, everybody, we are back for our segment three. I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, now Lundgren from Compass. Maggie Kent, special guest today from Core Real Estate, Phil Horrigan, leasebreak.com, and Louise Phillips Forbes, our anchor from Halstead Property. All right, moving on from pre wars and glass condo towers. Street Easy is planning to roll out a new feature that would connect prospective home buyers with agents who buy advertising on that platform for sale listing pages. The initiative, sources told the real deal, is invoking the wrath of major New York brokerages with the heads of some firms suggesting this week a boycott of this new platform. Brokers are concerned that buyers will be directed to third-party agents who have no connection to the property rather than to the listing agent with the exclusive. That could cost listing agents commission, forcing them to split with brokers who get leads simply by paying Street Easy to be designated a premier wow. agent. Wow. Let's talk about faces that. right we now have, in the uh, We studio. have created Where's a the monster. Tequila? Where's the tequila? Listen, listen, you know, Realtor.com has been doing this for a while, but in New York City, Realtor.com is not as dominant uh, as uh, as Street Easy. I have to tell you something. When I read this story last week, I was a little concerned because it's it's unnerving to think, you know, we, we all know what we do in this business and how we get business and how we, you know, conduct our business and find clients. Street Easy has always been a nemesis of mine. Um, it's, it's a necessity, but it's always been a nemesis. But at mm. the end of the day, this is a problem. Well, and wait I, a I can't even imagine Street how Street Easy this was a great mm. asset for all of us, as well as the buyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it keeps well, us. Yes. It keeps it. Keep, I mean, look. It educates the, the buyers. It educates the buyers, but the interpretation of what that data is giving you is the up to the professionals. And I will tell you now because it's a Zillow. You know, platform. Absolutely. And when they bought Street Easy for $50 million, I was like, well, there you go. We're going to end up having that zip code pay for, pay to play. And then when you open up all those listings and you see who those people are that are paying for that zip code, they, I don't even know them. And I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Thank you. That's what I say. And it's, it's it's almost like when you see an Hermes, you're online and you're shopping for an Hermes bag and you see, wow, that's 50% cheaper. And then you realize it's a knockoff from China. It's wrong. And it is misleading and manipulative and unfortunate. An example that I have is yesterday I got a, a buyer called me and said, hey, I really want to see this. Uh, it's a townhouse in Brooklyn. And it was listed um, with an MLS broker, but on Zillow. So I, you know, I, I, I think it was truly, I don't know how to use it really. So I, I emailed I the person and then I got a, I got a call from another agent like, hi, would you like to see it? And I'm like, uh, so are do you rep the property? Like I'm a broker. I'm trying to bring my, Oh no, I'm just trying to, you know, you know, see if you, I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense because I have the buyer. You're, you're trying to get me. So how do I, figure this out and I was completely confused I actually called Trulia and I was like what, what is going on here they're like oh scroll all the way down so there's like graphs and, and, and zip codes and 17 brokers and at the end it was like the person's name and I was like oh great and there was no contact information so I had to copy and paste Google the person and then hammer out five it's, different phone calls so it was the most wrong. confusing thing ever I just I was like I can't I don't even know what to do it's, well, it so but Street Easy also for the longest time, you know, assigns agents, unknown agents to sometimes I know them, sometimes I don't, as the building or the neighborhood specialist. And in one particular case where I sold the building and I get almost ninety percent of the resales and rentals in that building still consistently, every time I go to look up one of my listings on Street Easy to make sure that it's correct or whatever, I always see these other agents as the area specialists in the building specialists. Call them if you need to get an appointment. And then they just call you, Vince. 
Well, <laughs> right? I, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Coming, but at the end of the day, what you know that, and it's, now it's just it's they're misleading. taking it to the next level. It's misleading. It's I think. misleading. Well, and then I'll sorry, Matt. Sorry, I'm big mouth wheezy. But you know, to, so then you can pay for the privilege to be exempt from that. So correct. if you're 10 million and above, correct. then oh, we won't stick all these unprofessional or I shouldn't say that. They, I'm sure some of them are great. But they are not the experts, and that's not who the sellers chose to represent them. That's right. Which is really what's frustrating. Well, I'm that's, sorry, that, go that's the point. I know. That's Always. the point I wanted to make, and that's a very good point. The seller did not choose these people to represent them. You're the listing agent. You have the knowledge of the apartment, the people, the the building, the whatever. You are the listing agent. Matt, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All I was going to say is that coming from a real estate family myself, who's both we're all in the city and in the suburbs, um, you know, I always say at all Jewish holidays, we always talk about real estate. That's the biggest thing. And um, we always talk about the huge differences between the city and suburbs. And and we constantly on this show talk about the difference, the huge difference in the real estate world in Manhattan and New York City and the suburbs in the rest in the rest of the country so let's leave it at that let's leave the differences in my opinion and i cuz i really think the biggest difference is the way people approach their properties the way they approach what they want to buy you know way they approach when they want to sell let's leave those differences in place they're there for a reason i believe and i think that this is one of those things where because like louis said zillow you know acquired street easy um, they're just trying to make it more as one, and I don't think that that works in a place like where we live. They have to make it profitable, so they exactly. paid fifty million dollars. So it's a sort, it's a line item for income, but but what is principally the right thing for those individuals that are trying to be transparent? I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about having the internet and having access to real time data, is having accurate real time data. So to me. If you're going to have a pay-to-play formula, then, you know, don't – it's so camouflaged. Like, that whole experience with Tulia is, yeah, I can, yeah. is no just idea. frustrating. The problem is, I mean, I can speak as someone who is actually paying Street Easy for a campaign right now. Uh-huh. Okay, so – but Well, let's hear it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can actually speak, speak to it because – my motive for going on there was to try and obviously create another platform for myself. It, it does brand you, um, I, but I, I'm legit. I mean, I am an expert. I have a proven track record in the neighborhoods I've chosen to advertise in. And if I pick up the phone and I don't represent that listing, I can tell you that I will direct the person to the actual listing. I'll say, please click on the apartment. I think we have to be clear for people out there that don't know StreetEasy or use it that it's, ba- it's basically a website that provides all of the listings in New York City and beyond. Mm-hmm. And you can, uh, y- y- basically all the information is available to you about the building. And then there's a listing broker. And then there's a building expert that might appear on the side, just like any other advertising. So it's a revenue stream for them, obviously, from brokers like us. Um, it's not going to go away. We have to face facts. It's probably right. going to stay there, right? This is it, how they. It's, it's absolutely going to stay there. So we have to work there. with it. Yeah. So be professionals. If I pick up the phone and and, and and let's say response time, this is we have to think about the consumer here too. This is something that Street, e- Street Easy has to consider when serving their customer. If a customer calls out of the blue and they don't know that you, you they're calling a neighborhood expert, Maggie Kent. Okay, I I am a neighborhood expert, so I'll tell them, are are you looking in the area? Or are you looking for a specific apartment? If they ask me, what's the square footage of this apartment, am I actually going to know? 
am I actually going to know if that's not my listing? I tell them the truth. I say, click on the actual apartment listing. That's the difference. But if they're a buyer who's looking in the neighborhood, who needs some market information, I can answer that expertly. Maggie, can I ask you a question? Are you getting it? This is is why we love you because you're a professional and you would do that. I would do the same thing and I'm sure most of us here would, but there have to be buyers out there. There are no checks and balances. That's the problem. That is is my issue with it is because it is an individual in most cases from my experience where they don't they don't I don't even know who they are and yeah. they I don't know if they even do business. If you go look at their website, whether whatever company it is a lot of they them are brand new agents any, too. Brand, brand new, new agents. Maggie, I have a question. So, what percent of people that call you know that they're calling because you're a neighborhood expert versus calling you because they think you're the listing agent? There are usually people at this point, and I know actually no brokers who've advertised who've closed deals um, because someone was looking specifically for that building that they work in. Um, so I can say that I, you know, that's some information about it. But most people are. Looking for a rental, a new buyer, they're not familiar with the Street Easy program. They're not familiar with the process, so I educate them. I actually ask, what is your budget? What are you looking for? It's it's very random at this point, I'll be honest. So it's a responsibility of Street Easy to educate the, right. the, the consumer, how they're going to do that. Well, you know, people, you know, the problem, too, is you're clicking through. If you're going to pick up a call, it's like going into the Apple store, for example. You know you're going to get a certain kind of service. I think it it creates some some interesting conflict in our community and we already have to struggle with the you know the cliche version of a salesperson so when you when you call someone and they don't know what they're talking about about your listing and then they call you just yeah. like you said Niles yeah. it's it already sets the, the customer up for a bad experience. Yeah. Okay. Louise, let me ask you because you mentioned buying of the zip codes and, and that's that's part of how that they, is they do the, their model. That, that's their model. But there are only there are only a certain amount of zip codes in this town. So right. if somebody can buy all of them, somebody no, you can buy, buy a percent. Half of them. You, you buy, buy a percent. So a percentage of, of zip code. A zip code. Yeah. So uh, when they first tenth. launched it, they first launched it and it was you get twenty five percent. So mm-hmm. they're gonna be four other individuals. But they've now created such a fractional you know, that, that I don't even think they quote percentages now. So that that right, so right, that right. if I'm paying, right, you don't know I don't know. Mean. Let's say what is the amount? If you don't mind me asking, uh, it depends on like how many views 12, you know you want. Well, yeah. if it's if right, it's right. if it's ten thousand dollars for the year, I'm going to make up that number, um, and they, and it's going to be one zero zero two three. That's mm-hmm. the Upper West Side, mm-hmm. um, and they know that they have so many hits. Um, they, they, they have a statistic to it. But the truth is, is then you come to learn that you rotate out of of that. So, you know, I have no problem at all if Lisa Lippman is rotating in because she is absolutely knows that neighborhood like the back of her hand. Right. But some guy with an 845 telephone number is just not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> but like we said before, I, I, 100% on your side on that one. But a lot of these these folks are brand new to the business. Uh, very young in the business, and you know, as they try to figure out how to grow a business, because it's not so easy in real estate, they're going to try anything they can. And you know, maybe they can't afford it, maybe they can afford it. But if you're buying a portion, a portion of a zip code, maybe they think that it's going to help them. But but, but there as needs you to all be said, an educational right. opportunity to explain that, how you are at the right place at the right, right time, and what and your that's what's missing. Is. And that's what I can see when people call me just out of the blue from something that they see on Street Easy, and they think, "Wow, you know." And of course, the famous question is, "Is it a con- a condo or a co-op?" And this is from an agent on the other end of the phone. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you're looking at the listing. What did it say? <laughs> 
right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, listen, you got all kinds, you got all types here. But I just thought when I when I when I saw that story last week, <clears throat> I wanted to ask your opinion because, as I said earlier at the start of this, Realtor.com has been running after me for a long time to try and do the same thing, buying zip codes from them, and I'm like, you know what, guys, I don't think that this is the right business model for me. I'm not so sure this is going to work. And then I read this about Street Easy, and of course, because of the Trulia uh, connection and, and, and the bigger money, I just got concerned that this is going to grow into something a lot bigger and maybe a little more hazardous to our livelihoods here. So that, yeah, but then you also have de- huge development projects that are falling in that zip code and well, you that's, know, people mm-hmm. are spending million, you know, millions of dollars to create websites mm-hmm. and partnering with the street easy and that's another it's, that's it's another whole a, story it's a conflict yeah all right well, listen we're gonna go to break we'll come back uh, right after these messages don't go away the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com The best part of being an agent is helping my clients beyond real estate. I believe in serving them and not just their transactions. My mission is to serve each and every client in all ways that they may flourish. And as a real estate agent, I'm well positioned to help someone map out the next chapter of their life. One of my favorite memories was when a repeat client asked me to be his witness in marriage. They say home is where the heart is, and I'm thrilled to have been part of both heart and home. I'm John Harrison with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back for our fourth segment. I'm here with Matt, Niall, Maggie, Phil, and Louise. So we just bought and sold a co-op, or we bought and sold a pre-war, we bought and sold a uh, a glass condo building. Let's talk about renovation. If there is any New Yorker who doesn't fantasize about renovating all, or at least part of his or her apartment, we doubt it, given that here is fodder for those fantasies. Six New York City renovation trends that are popular at this moment in time, according to experts who help suggest, plan, design, and or supervise renovations in all five boroughs. So, number one is combining two or more apartments. Number two is warm and wooden floors. So, I guess it's putting, uh, what do you call that? heat? Radiant. Radiant heat on the floors. Three open kitchens. Four redoing rooftops and outdoor spaces, if you have. Five custom cabinetry and closets, which I've done. And six digitizing 
your home. Are these so in order you, of just uh, no, okay, just random order. Random, random order. order. So uh, I'm I'm asking you all as as uh, high flying brokers in this town who deal with people who buy and sell apartments and who renovate apartments. Do these six um, facts kind of line up? Not in order, well, but the one, the one thing is the combining two more apartments. I don't. I don't believe that that's like a hot trend because the truth is that doesn't that opportunity doesn't even present itself that often. Like if you have the opportunity to buy an apartment next door, whether it's in 2017 or 2010 or 2002, you're going to seriously consider it. That is like a really interesting thing to do. Yes, there. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, you guys seen that a bigger trend? I still have. I've consistently seen people. This year and over the last 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, what I, are what, what, always interested in possibly what, what, doing What I have you know? seen is it's not necessarily a big trend, but it's something, you know, there's families. It's a fantasy. It's a it's fantasy. A fantasy. Yeah, always conversations. And, and, What's going and on And it's an opportunity for creating wealth as it's well as space because you. one plus one does not always equal two. Absolutely. It equals two and a half. I myself duplexed my apartment. Right. So with technology – and the forefront of what we've experienced with technology, these old pre-war buildings, when I'm converting my buildings, we are always looking about how to maximize the floor mm-hmm. plate. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, I cut a you know big eight by eight foot hole in my 1926 building. I moved my kitchen to where a bedroom and a bathroom was. Mm. And I have created something that is so unusual. And and that is what we want to try to continue to push the envelope with utilizing technology. But you also did it because of family. You have a family. You've got children. I lived so through it, which you, I do not recommend. No, I so can't believe my husband I, still loves me. I did wow. that once before, too. Not I happening. was a little angry. But Two-year-old. That's, that's, that's actually point, my point. To answer yeah. your question, I think people who can't find the space that they want out there in apartments. I mean, apartments in New York are only just so big. I mean, some of them are rambling and don't go on forever. But if you can't find it and you really need it and there is an opportunity to combine with upstairs, downstairs, next door. I almost did that with an apartment downstairs from mine years ago on the east side. But so it's not standard. I don't think everybody does it just because they do it. it right. I think as it's, Louise said, it creates you know wealth. It's a trophy apartment. It's it's big and grand. But a lot of people do it because they need the size. What about open mm-hmm. kitchens? I mean, that's, that trend Absolutely. seems to kind of go, come and go. Is it in again? Oh, oh. yeah, definitely. And new, and I don't and know. Well, everyone wants the, open kitchens. And new develop. New development is is that's the basic at this point. However, yeah. I am seeing and finding that people do actually want more of a formal um, choice. So, if you have a big enough development project, sometimes you can create product that varies to answer so that you actually have casted a wider net. Mm-hmm. I like when people are going from apartment to house and house to apartment because I think this is one of the topics that comes into play. So the I actually find that the heated floors is a big house thing. So my parents would love if they could move into an apartment with heated floors. Like they they can't stop telling me about their bathroom floors in the suburbs and how they they get all warm and toasty their feet when they get out of the shower. Whereas like I could really care less and I'm I, in an I apartment. Could care less but about that. Yeah, but then so you have that aspect which I think is being brought into the apartment world, and then the aspect of the open kitchen is less and less I find in houses because you have rooms whereas in an apartment everyone wants something that's open layout you know grand feature things like that but to my development clients out there and I'd love to hear what Louise has to say about this specifically because she works with so many developers um, I have seen developers go way too far with the technology 
and I actually think that it's done the opposite of what they were hoping for. I, I've just just with a few projects that I've what seen. What do you mean by technology? So, uh, you know, specifically in Tribeca, there was a project that you know a developer did a conversion, and they put so much tech into oh. it the with smart home? exactly yeah. like the all the smart home the features. Home, yeah. And I think that they were hoping it would obviously you know increase the prices that they would get. I'd have to have and, a living tech to help me out with all that smart. <laughs> well, I, I find that it did the opposite. It actually um, narrowed down their buyer pool, and I know yeah. that the development had pr- trouble. Yeah. So, well, I'll just my my nickel opinion on all that is that I think that um, being able to pre-wire to the ninth degree a, a space so that your art collectors, your you know electric shades, yep. your Creshawn guys that want to trick it out. You know, that is what our responsibility is, is to make it and the best money spent so that you actually, we, I don't recommend spending that money. It's just like I don't build out my closets most times because after 30 development projects, I've come to learn that people are very particular about their closets. And so that's sort of my take on, on that tech tech number yeah and i mean i'm to give a personal swing i'm living in a new development and you know it's very tech driven um and i find myself especially being a millennial not using much of it if anything i got really excited yeah, right. about my new my new crusade teapot that i got last weekend so i find myself to be completely the opposite for there, resale, there is something resale, for you want to do those renovations i mean new development is one thing what the what the new is and what they think the consumer you get what will you respond get to. you get build, what you yeah. get but i mean speaking of the combination sometimes when you combine you get a very awkward layout mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure we've all seen that mm-hmm. But we all we all know. I think that new floors and new kitchens and good closet space that is built out because you can actually see it functioning. Mm-hmm. Those things sell apartments. And every time I don't have an open kitchen in an apartment that I show, I get asked if they can do it. You know, it, they it, say, "Can I remove this wall?" Right? And, and I've and I've I've spent years selling new developments with all open kitchens, and people would come in, and I think Louise mentioned it before, and say, "But I really want to have a concealed kitchen because of the food smells when I'm have entertaining." So, can I put a wall up? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, and so yeah. the answer is, sure, you can. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, well, and, actually, and, not not always. Sometimes your right. light and air code, mm-hmm, if you don't mm-hmm, have a window, mm-hmm. prevents you from doing that. Yeah. The oh, answer always depends. No matter what it is, whether you want a glass tower, pre-war, <laughs> close the kitchen, open the kitchen, like what Louise is saying, it really depends on the specifics well, of the apartment, of the client, of the consumer, and, do, and doesn't all the that factors make included. this business interesting on a daily basis? Because if you have an open kitchen, someone's going to come in and say, but I want a wall. If you yep. have walled kitchen, can I take – I was out with buyers this weekend, and they want to take a wall down to open the kitchen into the – which would be a really simple thing to do. I don't even know why this wall is there, but it's a pre-war. <laughs> but you take it down, and now you have an open kitchen, right? right? Very exactly. simple. Also, so, wait, on the combination side, ooh, one more thing that I just thought of. Um, Phil brings up such a good point about having even the opportunity to combine with someone next door or above and below you um it depends on the building in my opinion because we were talking about transients i mean craig roth who is one of my favorite brokers in the business who does almost all the sales at the brevard and he also lives there and has lived there for a long time he just building. he combined three apartments to make a three or four bedroom and he even says himself being in a building that is pretty transient i mean there are tons of sales in the building every year um he even says it was hard finding, you know, neighbors who wanted to do that or even talking to them about it. It's an awkward topic of conversation as well. And, you know, going with what Maggie said, the layout's not, you know, the 
normal three or four bedroom, it definitely has its quirks. So, well, and and I think the last part uh, to talk about on this particular note is it's not always easy. We can just come up with what we want to do design wise and construction wise in our home, but it's not always easy based on New York City living, based on building. Rules and regulations and restrictions. And even if you decide you have this brilliant plan and you want to put something wet over dry because that that seems to work for your new configuration and the building says, no, you can't do that. Or you want to take a wall down and you realize it's a structured wall and you can't take it down. So we can come up with these grand plans and ideas, beautiful designs. But then uh, sometimes we're blocked. And then the other thing, too, with that is, you know, in New York City, the nature of how we live and work here. Things take time and things cost money. I mean, time for a renovation. I thought did what I thought was a simple renovation once a couple of years back on um, just a kitchen. And I thought, oh, how long could it take a kitchen? Six months to do a kitchen. So, you know, it's like, what is that about? Just a one point on what Maggie said. I think it's so important before you combine, try to get like a broker's input or something. Because sometimes I've seen opinion, these yeah. combinations. Mm-hmm. And the two big things that stick out of my mind that are Very sometimes good problems are the living room's too small. Because the living room, when it was designed, was a living room for a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to make a two That's or three right. bedroom. And, oh, man, how awkward. That living room is it really small for a big apartment. Same thing with bathrooms. A lot of times I notice the bathrooms are too small. You have like a, a sprawling three-bedroom apartment with these tiny bathrooms because those bathrooms were really designed to be for a studio. And you combine three studios or what have you. you know? Absolutely. And unfortunately, we are out of time. That is the show for this week. Thanks to my guest, Maggie Kent, uh, and all the rest of my panel. Here's hoping that you make this a great week. And I look forward to being right back here next week with all of you. Be kind to one another for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us. And we will be back next week. Have a good, good day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.